Good morning, Universalist Unitarian Church of Peoria. I am so thrilled to be with you all this morning in this virtual space to share with you some of my reflections over the last couple of years. I ask that you bear with me as my home here in Chicago is close to a hospital, thus this recording has been edited together to avoid any background noise. I bring love and greetings from my colleagues at the Unitarian Universalist Association, and I return the love and well wishes from the First Unitarian Church of Rochester, New York, and the First Unitarian Society of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who hosted me as a guest preacher earlier this year. Last year, the Board of Trustees of this church voted to sponsor my journey towards fellowship as a UU minister. I agreed to come back once or twice a year as a guest preacher and share with you all my reflections of that journey. My first year of seminary at Meadville Lombard Theological School cannot be detached from the ministry I have been engaged in serving as the project manager for the Commission on Institutional Change at the Unitarian Universalist Association. While the community studies component of Meadville Lombard looks at how to now analyze systems and on the different types of oppressions within systems, my role in serving the commission puts these theoretical studies into action, analyzing how these systems of oppression manifest within our Unitarian Universalist institutions. As a seminarian, there is a necessity to pull back and reflect not only on how you govern yourself, but also why you govern yourself in that way. I must admit, it's tough. Uh, as conflict rises within Unitarian Universalism and within the broader world, dissecting yourself your values and your purpose, dissecting myself and my values and my purpose in front of others is hard. Doing so with religious trauma from a previous faith tradition can make it even harder. I failed my first community studies course because I was not fortified and I went into it on my own. Now, I'm sure at this point, you may be wondering, what does my failure in my first semester of seminary have to do with the theme of this sermon, the new, new covenant, redefining Unitarian Universalist polity for the 21st century? Well, we find ourselves in a particularly tumultuous time, and we have been for quite some time now. A question I'm leaving my first year at Meadville Lombard and my service with the Commission on Institutional Change with is twofold. How are we, as Unitarian Universalists, fortifying our UU institutions to make it through this time? And how do we make it through together? To analyze our UU institutions in this way also requires a willingness to pull back and reflect on not only how are we govern ourselves, 
but also why we govern ourselves in that way. If we were in person, I'd make a joke, sit back, relax, and let's talk about bylaws. But I'd rather you not shut off your screens. While some of you, like me, may totally geek out about bylaws and policies, I wish to take us a little bit deeper than that, to the theological framing that itself impacts how we structure our institutions through bylaws and policies. You see, I'm a polity nerd, and I'm here to discuss polity. That is the way our faith communities are governed. The historical document the Unitarian Universalist Association draws its polity from, the Cambridge Platform of 1648, defines polity as ecclesiastical polity or church government or discipline is nothing else but that from, but that form and order that is to be observed in the church of Christ upon earth, both for the constitution of it and all the administration that therein are to be performed. In a way, it feels like I'm quoting bylaws. It's an old mix of legalese, theology, and 17th century English, which I suspect is why this document is more often referred to than actually read. In a sense, the platform is treated like the Constitution, for example, I might claim mass mandates infringe on my constitutional rights, but I can't show you in the Constitution where I get that notion. So let's look at some of the stories we Unitarian Universalists tell ourselves about what we claim as our congregational polity and how some of these stories are contradictions to the congregational polity defined within the Cambridge platform. I offer these three reflections, that congregational polity is misrepresented, inadequate for a shifting society, and in practice, not the polity of modern day Unitarian Universalism at all. To begin, let's dive into what I mean by misrepresentation of congregational polity. I'd like to start with a question to you. I'd love for folks to share their thoughts in the comment section uh, with the understanding that we are a living tradition on a journey towards spiritual growth and learning together, so don't be shy. The question that I pose to you, when you hear the term congregational polity or congregationalist, what does it mean to you? Feel free to type into the comment section. Again, that question is, when you hear the terms congregational polity or congregationalist, what does that mean to you? I want to thank you for sharing and I invite you to continue sharing 
It is important that we engage these conversations in an open manner because they are inherent to our identity as Unitarian Universalists. So here's how the les a lesson from the Tapestry of Faith, a curriculum on UU identity and faith formation, which is available on the UUA website, defines congregational polity. It is the rights and responsibilities of each properly organized congregation to make its own decisions about its own affairs without recourse of any higher human authority. In, a, in this sense, congregational polity is a drastic shift from the Episcopal polity, which is the church governance model based on the authority of a bishop, the Cambridge platform outlines the biblical foundation of congregational polity, which spells this shift out as a challenge to the Bishop of England's authority. One might say the Cambridge platform of 1648 was both the New England Church's Declaration of Independence and Constitution. As with the other two polities, Episcopal, derived from the dictates of Paul to the early Christians, and Presbyterian, seen in the bodies of elders at the congregations to which Paul wrote, the Cambridge platform used biblical grounding to take the authority away from the bishop and place it in the hands of the congregations. If the Cambridge platform is the New England Church's Declaration of Independence, then the notion that congregations are responsible to only themselves is the state's rights of Unitarian Universalism. However, the Cambridge platform was never a document define, defining how we are not in relationship with one another. It is grounded in how the Holy Spirit moves within the congregation like at Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost and how congregations are connected and interact in the image of and in communion with Christ Jesus, defined as the new covenant in Luke 22 verse 20. In my understanding, the congregants like the bishop were never viewed as the source of authority, but the tools through which the will of God was done. I would say that these are not broad present-day Unitarian Universalist concepts. As a living tradition, I don't believe we have lost the principles of congregationalism. However, I feel, I fear not adequately naming where the power and authority that moves through the congregation comes from has left room for narratives of personal interests before community and of ultra-autonomous congregations, which have misrepresented what it means to be congregationalists, hindering our capacity as congregations to move together and grow. I believe the hindrance of hyper-self-interest and isolation in itself most almost identical to the resistance we see to mask mandates speaks to the inadequacy of such narratives about our congregational polity for this time. 
The first time I preached on this subject in Rochester, New York, I spoke of an era where technology has the potential to bring us together in new ways, but seems to be pushing us apart. It is surreal to be living into that potential now. We need to understand how congregationalism calls us to be there for each other and to adapt this understanding to communities that gather beyond the confines of the church walls. I myself have been participating in two spiritual communities here in Chicago that take place in bars. One centers praise music and the other centers storytelling. As we grapple with a global climate crisis, global pandemics, both viral and that of racism, these require collective action beyond the church walls that is inclusive of new innovative communities. Congregational polity was written down in the 17th century and it did not have concepts of faith communities that meet online from anywhere in the world or that meet in the coffee shop just down the street. These are all challenges and questions our association of UU congregations are engaged in and is often held back by misinterpretations of an outdated document. The Reverend Dr. Susan Frederick Gray, president of the UUA, speaks of the Unitarian Universalist Association in this way. The UUA, is the embodiment of the covenant our member congregations make to one another. Again, I invite you to participate. Please share a brief thought about what covenant means to you in the comment section. Again, what does covenant mean to you? This dialogue is a significant part of covenant that these sacred living promises we make to one another are shaped by our collaborative discernment. So please feel free to continue to share what covenant means to you. In the 2013 summer issue of the UU World, Victoria E. Safford described covenant in this way. A covenant is a living, breathing aspiration made new every day. It cannot be enforced by consequences, but it may be reinforced by forgiveness and by grace. When we stumble, when we forget, when we mess up. In Hebrews chapter eight, Jesus is named again as the new covenant through which sin is erased and through which a new sacred promise between God and the people of God is made. I think it is noteworthy that even God's first covenant in this chapter is named as aspirational. It was not perfect and needed to be revised to be more whole. 
just as in the Torah, God renegotiates God's covenant with God's people on multiple occasions. I see in the scriptures, Victoria's description of covenant, covenant over and over again, the sacred promises between nations, people, and even things larger than ourselves. And it makes me wonder, is covenant itself the new, new covenant? The aspirations and moments of grace our congregationalist forebearers saw as reflections of Jesus in their communal relationships. In 1894, was Reverend James Vale Blake right to say, love is the spirit of this church, thereby naming love itself as the spirit that moves within Unitarian Universalists to keep us showing up for one another and on the side of love? I believe the answer is emphatically yes. After over 370 years of the Cambridge platform, it may be time to acknowledge that the power and authority is not held within congregants themselves, but in the promises we make to one another. It is surely time to acknowledge that the intercongregational relationships has expanded beyond the relationships between the small collections of churches in New England. The UUA is the embodiment of the covenant our member congregations have made to one another. When we show up for our regional and general assemblies, when we volunteer for roles that serve our broader faith, and when we meet our financial commitments to our fellow covenanted communities, we are fortifying our institutions to make it through these difficult times so they can be there for us. You and I, as the UUA, should be living, breathing aspirations made new by the continued engagement and fulfillment of the sacred promises our congregations freely make to be in relationship with one another. A new covenantal polity is called for that emphasizes the authority of our sacred promises and expands the table to welcome new covenanting communities that operate outside a, the congregational setting. With a covenantal polity reflective of our actual governance and the emphasis of the misrepresentation of states' rights congregational polity, there is potential for our congregations to meet our promises to one another and for our faith to continue to grow. So we can show up for justice, for our climate, and for each other. Let us continue to equip our fellow congregations for justice-seeking, developing future leaders in love, and amplifying our UU values in the world by leaning into and being stewards of our covenant. So may it be.